on this episode of the Nature's Living Show, Working in a Nudist Club. This episode of the Nature's Living Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Nature's Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional nature's values in a modern setting. Free your body, free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca Welcome, dear listener, to episode number 77 of the Naturist Living Show. It's a great time of year because it's, it's spring. Spring is starting. It's been a long, cold winter here in the Toronto area. And uh, we're getting ready at Bear Oaks. Uh, the, most of the snow, pretty much all the snow is gone. And uh, we're uh, hiring the staff. We're training staff. Uh, we're getting everything spruced up, cleaned up, ready. I mean, we're open year-round, but of course... The busy season is just coming up, so it's a great time of year, and uh, I we just finished the uh, um, Nude Art Nude, or Naked in the Gallery event at the museum a week ago or so, and it was uh, it was good success. We uh, we had a, a little over 100 people. I don't know the exact count, because there were some people that were not counted in the uh, their point of sale system because they were free, but uh, it's just over 100. Um, a lot of existing naturists traveled them far away uh, and from close by as well to come and see the show. But a number of new people came. Uh, one staff from the museum decided to participate. And by participating, I mean they took off their clothes and they viewed the nude art while being nude themselves to change that relationship they've had with the art. It was also a great social event, a lot of people chatting and having a good time. Uh, we had some reporters there. Uh, we had television crew from CTV. I'll put a link to the uh, video if you want to look at it. And uh, there was also, so it's, a sh- it's a short report, so don't get too excited. Um, there was also, uh, there's going to be an article in a local uh, newspaper, and the uh, reporter and her editor uh, both took their clothes off and participated as well, which was really, really nice because they always fit in better. Um, there was a Reuters photographer who took some uh, pictures, which, strangely enough, showed up mostly in, I think, South America. Uh, but overall, I mean, we, it wasn't as much about the publicity as about having a fun event and finding new ways to uh, live naturist values and uh, um, expose, pardon the pun, others to it. So hopefully we'll do more things like this, and I'm glad that the museum was uh, so open-minded to do it and uh, to uh, participate with it. Bill sent me a note about a uh, petition to get a nude beach in Savannah, Georgia, or near Savannah, Georgia. So um, I'm going to mention that here. Uh, The beach is on Tybee Island, and uh, it has a number of signatures already, and hopefully they can have the same kind of success as South Africa did. And I will provide a link to the petition so you can uh, sign it yourself in the show notes. You may... um, 
you may be a bit tired of hearing about the Four Seasons because I seem to have covered it a lot in the last few episodes, talking about the uh, Miss and Miss Nude Four Seasons and the whole exploitive angle and and the whole history there of uh, how they did what they did. I mean, you can't deny that the Four Seasons certainly put a lot of awareness about naturism and nudism. It's certainly in the Toronto area, but really all over North America because they were quite famous, perhaps infamous about it. I mean, of course, the debate is whether they set a good tone, uh, whether they provided a lot of awareness of the right ideas and image. Um, certainly that particular, uh, the beauty contest was quite exploitive, and that was even admitted, as you heard in the interview with the founders, Hans and Lisa Stein. Um, the Four Seasons was really a commercial enterprise. It was uh, certainly arguably at the time the most successful one, the largest commercially, and made a lot of money for the owners. And they expanded and they built uh, what are probably some of the most elaborate facilities in Canada and well, in North America. Um, certainly in the end, because it was for sale, they were a bit run down. But in the 1980s, uh, it was a pretty big operation. And uh, as I was doing research for all this, I ran across um, a link that took me to an audiobook um, about a uh, a person, a young at the time she was a young woman who worked at the Four Seasons in the early 1980s, and what her experience was like. There's a uh, an ebook about it, but there's also an audiobook version, and this is how the audiobook introduces the story. Introduction: Naked. It's the way we all come into this world and how we're all going out. And yet there's such shame still associated with what naturally grows underneath our clothes. We spend our teen years imagining each other in the buff, but the thought of actually walking around in front of each other without protective layers of clothing, well, that's a different story. In the summer of 1980, at the height of my personal insecurity history, I took a seasonal job at Four Seasons Nature Resort in Freelton, Ontario, just a few minutes' drive out of Hamilton, Ontario, on Highway 6 North. My little town of Smithville offered few options for summer employment. While the luckiest of my high school friends could hope to flip burgers or watch little kids make finger paintings at day camps, I spent my days and nights in very close quarters with all shapes and sizes of naked strangers. Along the way, I discovered the reasons why people joined a nature resort were as varied as the individuals themselves. Getting back to nature was the quick and easy answer most of them gave, but there was a lot more going on that you would only be privy to if you were a resident. Did I mention that it was a live-in job? Well, it was. This adventure of mine took place just before the AIDS outbreak, when sexual freedom between singles was still on its 1970s hangover. The prevailing attitude fell somewhere between the free love of the 1960s and the condom at the ready of decades to come. However, some aspects of consenting play between adults were still considered illegal and explored only in secret. The year after my summer at Four Seasons, a storied swingers club located nearby called Ramblewood would be raided, netting police a hundred or so naked grown-ups frolicking in a circus tent. At trial, the long-married couple who ran Ramblewood was found guilty of running a common body house, but eventually also given an absolute discharge. In light of all the sexual liberties that abound today, it's almost amusing to think that a rural encampment for grown-up consenting sexual encounters drew so much legal attention. These days, in Ontario at least, swinging is legal, and there are several clubs the so-inclined can join. Ramblewood members paved the way. 
Four Seasons Nature Resort was no Ramblewood. Expensive and expansive, it boasted a natural lifestyle for guests and their families. It wasn't about sex, they said. Members paid a premium to enjoy the perfectly legal and incredibly beautiful surroundings in privacy and some luxury. The bill of goods we are sold by naturists is that being nude is very natural and a reminder that we are part of nature. Free from the confines of clothing, nudists feel permitted to be themselves and to enjoy their lives apart from the wrappings that humans have created. Covering up the body covers the spirit and blah, blah, blah. Many nudists are honestly seeking a kind of oneness with nature. For many others, however, there is a whole other layer to their decision to join the lifestyle. And those are the people, the ones who lived on the fringes of normal society, I decided were worth telling you about in this memoir. My parents aren't naturists, far from it. The only mention of nude resorts in my presence came when I was a child, and my father's business partner set up house with a former Miss Nude World. Suzette was a beautiful, confident woman who seemed to choose any opportunity to bear her body. I saw her freckled, natural breasts on more than one occasion, and even as a child I knew she was a show-off. She had won her sash at the very resort where I would spend the summer years later, but she really had nothing to do with my decision to work there. The nudism aspect of her past was an abstract, never spoken about in detail or practicalities. Kids have a million questions that never seem to get answered. How did people walk around naked all the time and get anything done? Where did a man put his wallet? And above all, why not put on clothes like everybody else? The Four Seasons I Knew was a beautiful place, clean, spacious, and classier than you might imagine. This is the story of what happened that summer. Some names have been changed, in some cases to protect identities, and in some cases because I simply can't recall the actual names. Over the years, I'd meet someone who had been to the resort as a guest, and they'd giggle as people gathered around to hear their tales of what went on behind the mysterious gate. Nothing a person on a day pass has seen can possibly compare to what I experienced as a resident. I've been cajoled, prodded, bugged and begged to tell the whole story, but I've only ever parceled it out a bit at a time. For the first time, this is as much as I can remember the way I remember it. I hope you enjoy it. So the author of this story, and, and the person, of course, who worked at the Four Seasons in the early 1980s, is Lisa Brent. And uh, Lisa, I, I, I decided I wanted to hear the story, so I did order the audiobook from Lisa and listen to the whole story. It is uh, available in uh, e-book format as well, but these days I seem to be traveling a lot, so I had more time to listen to an audiobook as I was traveling and driving to different places, which is why I decided to uh, get the audio version. And I did listen to the whole thing. It was, it was in a way, it was some, it was sad because she did not experience that. What are, in my opinion, the true values of naturism, and as a result, her. Her impression of the whole movement is not as good as it could be. Um, but on the other hand, it was also entertaining and interesting enough to read. And I decided to give her a call. And I, because I did find her, I did track her down and gave her a call. And so we had a little bit of discussion about the book and her experience. You know, it was a really, it was an interesting book. And I, I read it, I listened to it <laughs> with a mixture of uh, kind of sadness because I don't think you you really got the right impression of what naturism or nudism is supposed to be about. Um, but it was still a very interesting story, and I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. Um, was that your only impression you got of the naturist slash nudist movement? 
Well, it kind of was. Um, I do know what a lot of people get into nature isn't for or why they're why they're there but um you know had i gone to four seasons for that summer and just met people with a totally ethical um you know run-of-the-mill boring point of view it wouldn't have been much of a story would it (laughs) no no true enough (laughs) so um the fact that that I happened to meet so many unusual people in such a concentrated period of time uh did give me this impression of that summer there. However, I do know, um, I've read a lot about it and and met some other people uh, who are, are naturists and, and that there's an awful lot more to it than what I experienced. So it's been about three decades since uh, that you had that experience. Um, have, you, have you encountered any more naturism, ever been to a nude beach or anything like that since then? I was at a beach that wasn't nude that people thought was nude. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was in Mexico. That was interesting. Um, I actually, being in media and having worked in in Hamilton and Toronto years after my summer there, um, I met a lot of colleagues who had been to Four Seasons for Miss Nude World, uh, others that had been to other uh, parks and camps on invitation just to see what it was about. And of course, you know, to them, it was a big giggle fest and uh, something that, you know, a story they could tell for the rest of their lives, which, of course, I always trump by saying I lived at one for a summer. But, um, it, you know, I didn't really meet too many people. I can't think of any who were devoted naturists that I got to know. Uh, I just don't. It's not my world. And, um, you know, I just don't tend to run into these people or else the conversation just doesn't come up. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and sometimes that's my frustration. You know, I'm obviously very aware of the movement. Um, but when I'm having a conversation in Toronto, for example, with somebody and I tell them and they say, oh, um, I didn't know places like that existed in Ontario. And I think, yeah, well, they've been around Ontario since the 50s, 30s, actually, in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. I have signs on the highway. I've been on all the radio and television stations, and still people don't know it exists. I guess that's the challenge uh, from a marketing standpoint. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll give you an, uh, an analogy. I bought a Kia Soul last year. And until I bought my soul, I didn't notice souls. Now I see them everywhere. (laughs) And, and I think that, uh, you know, if it's something that's just not in your, in your radar, it's tough to break through and, and, and put it on someone's radar. Um, you know, people might be out looking for, uh, something they're looking at those, those blue signs to see some sort of an attraction, but it just might not register with them. And, and that must be a a significant challenge for you, especially when, I mean, my book isn't meant to be a commentary or a, uh, criticism or anything like that. It's just literally, this is what happened to me. So, um, I gobble up everything I can from uh, Reader's Digest to magazines to uh, uh, lots of naturists have friended me on LinkedIn, and I go and read uh, read about them. Um, but it is I can appreciate how difficult it would be to get in front of people. Yeah, and I didn't see it as a criticism. You're actually not particularly critical, and you leave the door open in the in the book uh, for you know that there's other ways of looking at it. Um, I assume that you were there for several months. You told all the juicy stories, but there must be more to it as well. Yeah, there was a lot of mundane uh, 
stuff. Like, I mean, I do talk about how long the days were. Sometimes they were 60 and 18 hours because of the way we were scheduled. Um, we'd work two or three hours, then get 45 minutes off and then be back on for two hours then get an hour and a half off. I mean, it was just the strangest schedule. And um, so there was a lot of just mundane work. I still to this day, there's a smell of a cleaner and I don't even know what it's called. But when I smell it, I am back in that room with the hot tub, scrubbing <laughs> the skin ring off of it, uh, which, of course, everything was spotless in that place because it was clean constantly. Um, but that that was what made up most of my days was walking around with a rag and a spray bottle and uh, wiping down chairs and wiping off tables and just making every making sure everything was spotless so everyone's first impression was that this place was well taken care of so you know that was that was the bulk of my time there was wiping yeah i i definitely what i have to give to hans and lisa steins and our listeners have heard the interview we did is that they had a really good sense of business um and image and organization that way uh, even though they may have made you work a little harder than, well, maybe that was okay back then, but probably not legal today. No, I don't think so. But I mean, we were just taught to have a uh, radar on everything. If there was a, a towel, you know, bunched up on the, on outside the clubhouse, we were to go and get it right away. Like just to make sure that everything was well looked after. Um, there were guys, I think I talked about this in the book too. There were some, uh, young buff guys who would come up from Hamilton and only use the weight room. They had nothing to do with the, with naturism or, or anywhere else in the, the clubhouse or the grounds. And so the second they'd leave, we were up there spraying everything down and, and wiping it down. So it was, it was clean of their sweat. Um, it was just something that uh, they were very serious about, about the business. And I didn't have a lot to do with Hans and Lisa. Of course, I, I would recognize them both today mm -hmm. easily, but um they they delegated everything to their son who then you know was our manager and kept us kept us hopping so uh, you do, do you get the impression that you you tell stories of all kinds of uh uh inappropriate events that have happened to you some sexuality and things like that that you wouldn't necessarily expect in a naturist environment based on what people say it's about do you think that was uh that was part of their plan? No. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Not at all. Uh, I think that that was um, a combination of being uh, pre-AIDS. Um, you know, there was a lot of a lot more freedom about sex and that kind of thing. It was also a combination of me being uh, 18, 17 or 18, and, and my fellow workers as well. I mean, you know, when you go to a a family reunion even, or, or some sort of a big event, there are two events going on. There's the one with all the adults who are settled and have their mortgages and everything. And then there's the one with all the teenagers. They're having their own stuff going on that none of us even notice. And I think, I think because I was on that wavelength, um, you know, people saw me as naive. Um, they, I was a bit of a challenge because I didn't become uh, a naturist, at least, uh, you know, I was, I professed I wasn't going to be. Um, so I think, I think some of it had to do with me and some of it had to do with the time. Some of it also had to do with the way the, um, people were living in trailers and, and camped out and, and, uh, um, you know, there was there was privacy that I don't know how that would uh, that existed years later, but you could do things like um, have a whipped cream party in your trailer and nobody in the clubhouse would know about it unless they were invited, that kind of thing. 
Yeah, and there's always that, you know, what people do in the privacy of their own trailers is is none of uh, my business either at right. their oaks. Right. Um, it's, it's always a balance. And I also understand that, you know, you're running a business. You know, Hans and Lisa, by their own admission in the interview, said that they recognize that the Miss Nude world was not in keeping with nature's values, but it was sure a good way to graze money. So you've got to pay the bills too, right? Well, that's right. And raise awareness because um, coincidentally, one of my father's business partner's girlfriends was in Miss New World. In fact, I think she won uh, the one year when I was a kid. And, um, you know, so that was really the only mention of anyone being nude in our in my family life. And and it wasn't a laugh and point thing either. It was just kind of a you know, this is what she does and we just don't, you know, right. um, but, but that's how we heard about it. And I mean, my parents are pretty darn conservative and lived uh, a good 30 miles away. So, you know, it, the words sure got around. So why did it take you um, about three decades to write this book? Well, I, for one thing, perspective really helps. Um, when I was really close to it. I was still processing it for many years. I mean, a couple of the, uh, the, the man in the book who propositioned me about having a baby, um, (laughs) really threw me for a loop for quite a while. And, you know, um, he almost instantly categorized me as not very smart and, uh, obviously in need of money. And, um, you know, there was a lot about it that I, I sat with for a while or just sort of pushed away but I actually also took to heart as a what am I doing that makes me appear this way the other thing is uh when I finally decided to start writing I I was so focused on my career I just worked around the clock um but when I finally decided to start writing it I thought ah it's not exciting enough and I I created this whole fictional love story and all this stuff and and I had a friend of a friend at a a fiction publishing house read it and say he really liked it, but it was a beach read, which is what I was going for. Mm-hmm. And, and but he wasn't interested in publishing that. So, but he read it all and enjoyed the writing. So that that you know inspired me to keep going. Then I thought, well, why not just tell the truth? So it took me several years and several revisions um, to do it. Um, I wasn't sure that I had a strong enough voice to be able to tell it well. Um, and so it took a while to really get my confidence up. Plus, I have a terrible memory for names. Some of the <laughs> names in the book, uh, not all of them are are accurate. Um, and I say that from the outset, that some of them I took, um, for one guy, I took a name of a, a very good friend of mine who was killed when we were in high school. That was sort of my homage to him. Uh, for another guy, it was a you know another lifelong friend. I can't remember their names. Um, one of my fondest wishes would be that one of them would hear about it and read it and say, this was me, you fool. That's I'm, I'm the guy, but anyway, uh, some of those creepy old men are probably not around anymore though. uh, No, they, they don't need to contact me, but the guys that, uh, especially the one who took, who uh, ended up with my entire record collection. Uh, but, um, confidence, I guess if I had to distill it, I'd just say it came down to confidence about writing about it. Fair enough. Yeah, now, I was also, I was kind of worried. Like, what if Lisa and Hans read it and thought, "Gee, you know, um, they didn't like something about it, or or they felt I I don't know. I just it, because it's all true, and um, I didn't want to upset anybody. And then I finally got to a point in my life where I thought, I don't care if I upset anybody. This is right. this is the way it was. So, 
So you didn't go back for a second summer. I assume that was an option. Uh, no, actually, it wouldn't have been an option. I Mike was not happy with me. I left with about a week or a week and a half left of the summer and left him stranded a little bit. Um, my feet, I could barely stand. My feet were so swollen. I had actually purchased, uh, I'd gone to a specialty store in Hamilton and got nurse's shoes and wore these ugly white loafer things for as much of the time as I could. I, I literally was on my feet 18 hours a day and I, and I couldn't stand anymore. Um, I just, I, I quit early. And so I wouldn't have been invited back as it turned out, I got into college and I, you know, I had a summer job the following year. Uh, I never came back. I never, one of the guys had my entire record collection that I had taken up there and I just, I never got around to going to get it. Um, Mm. you know, I, I left not in a huff, but I left, uh, not really happy. I felt like I'd been really wrung out and overused uh, as a as a, an employee. Did any of those decisions that had nothing to do with your parents' disapproval? Because you talk about your father uh, really being uh, not wanting to talk to you. Yeah, no, none of that had anything to do with it. It's funny because when my dad read the read the book, he said uh, he really liked it, but he wondered why I said he didn't talk to me. And I said, well, dad, cause you didn't. He said, oh, that's not how it was. And my mom very gently said, uh, John, that's exactly how it was. Um, <laughs> he would get up and leave the room. If I came home for the weekend or for, for a weekend, um, you know, he would get up and leave the room. If the topic came up, he just couldn't take it. Uh, my mom did come up and visit as did my aunt and my brother and a couple of his friends. But it, it really didn't have anything to do with that. Honestly, I was so full of bravado at that time. I didn't care that they, in fact, the fact that they were a bit disapproving was kind of a a badge of honor in a way. It was like, okay, this must be cool. My parents hate it. Um, so that really didn't have anything to do with it. I, I went to college and I just went on in a different direction. And so how did you end up at the job? I mean, I no connections whatsoever. Um, <laughs> yeah. They, you know, and we, we get them at Barracks too. We get these young folks that take the jobs for the summer who've never tried naturism before. Um, of course, with us, it's a little harder because they actually have to take their clothes off. Right. But still, uh, people do that. And that didn't that seem a little scary? Well, that's what I kind of liked about it. Uh, again, full of bravado. I thought I, you know, I thought I knew everything, like all teenagers. Until you get older, you realize how little you know. Still, but uh, it was <laughs> literally an ad in the Hamilton Spectator. Um, and when I read it out loud to my mom, I was because I, I needed a job. Um, I had a I had a term off after high school. I graduated like one semester in, so I had a whole semester free, and. Um, I read it out loud and my mom said, that's the, that's a nudist resort. And I was like, right on. So I, uh, I called and, um, and got an interview right away. And, uh, I actually, I explained that in the interview, trying to keep up with Hans as he ran around that clubhouse. Um, and I, you know, just, that's as simple as it was interview job. Next thing you know, I'm moving up my stuff. So was that your first job? No. Uh, I, well, I worked for my dad's company many, many years. And then I had a job working in a variety store in our little town of Smithville that just went horribly awry. The uh, uh, I was literally framed uh, for stealing from the till. And uh, and I also mm-hmm. worked at a deli and a pinball place. Um, 
And there I I just had to leave that. I actually left there for the variety store job um, because the owner was having me put um, spoiled meat and sandwiches and stuff. And I just literally, I, I couldn't do it. So, you know, I had a couple of crummy jobs. Um, this was the most exciting thing. I mean, my friends were flipping hamburgers and making yogurt cones. And I'm saying, well, I'm moving up for the summer to Frealton. Um, it was it was pretty neat. And I have to keep reminding people, especially younger people, that, you know, there was no email. There was no Instagram. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have any of that stuff. So you were either home when the phone rang or, <laughs> right. or you just didn't get the call. So uh, there was just a lot of, you know, okay, I'm going for the summer and then not seeing my friends for quite a while. Sure. And long distance phone calls were expensive. So for the summer, you were either completely out of touch or you wrote them letters. That's right. Absolutely right. I mean, it just sounds so quaint now, doesn't it? But that's the way it was. Yeah. Well, how would you say this job compared to all your pre and post summer type jobs you had? Oh, well, there's no no comparison. Um, uh, you know, people would say we'd be sitting around, you know, colleagues or whatever. Oh, one summer I planted trees, one summer I did this. And I would just sit there quietly with my hands clasped and wait till everybody went and then just quietly say, yeah, well, I lived at a nudist camp uh, or nature resort. And of course, Jaws would hit the floor and everybody would want to know about it. So it was kind of like a little feather in my cap. It kind of, before I did anything to make me special, I kind of felt like it made me special. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you, do you think it changed you in any way? Do you think it, it formed some, uh, parts of your personality in any way? I know for sure that it, um, it made me uh, more wary of people. Um, I don't mean that in a super negative way, but I'm, I know that uh, I was pretty trusting and open and, and I got sort of uh, figurative, figuratively slapped upside the head by a couple of people there. Um, I, I, maybe that's just a part of growing up and that would have happened anyway, but I do recall the feeling of um, just feeling minorly betrayed by trust I put in people and, and having it, uh, having it not follow through. Now, it, it, for the rest of your life, did any you know inappropriate proposition come your way? Not in a closed. I mean, obviously, in a bar or something, somebody would make some crude comment or something, but not in a closed um, kind of environment where I felt that I was at a disadvantage, um, either because of youth or. Um, inexperience. I mean, you know, a part of me looks back sometimes at that rich guy who wanted to fly me to New York and, and all that kind of stuff and think, mm -hmm. wow, if I'd had the guts, that could have been an amazing weekend. Or yeah. that could have, that could have been the end of my life. Like who knows, right? Um, but, uh, you know, I was always very, uh, very conservative about sex and about dating and about all that kind of stuff. And I think that served me well. Well, and as most people were when we were young. Um, yeah. The, but I, what I'm curious about is whether what happened to you had more of an impact or uh, hurt more in some ways because you trusted the environment more than you might if you were working at McDonald's or at Tim Hortons. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I also think, um, you know, it was incredibly naive of me to just move on up there and just expect everything to be a-okay like anyone would look out for me like they did at home or, um, you know, it was, uh, I was on my own, not ready for it, nowhere near as mature as I thought I was. Um, 
I can uh, think of a couple instances where uh, women who were working there, not any of the ones I name, um, would sit down with me and say, you know, like, get it together, girl. You're you got to get with the program here. I mean, they were trying to tell me to be something I wasn't, you know, become a naturist, uh, uh, go with this guy to New York, uh, go have some fun, you know, um, just basically telling me to loosen up. And that just made me even tighter. Uh, I was, I think I was, I was more frightened than I let on to anybody there because I, I didn't feel protected at all. Actually, I felt like a slave and I don't mean to say that. I don't want anybody to be offended by that, but, mm -hmm. uh, I really felt like, um, you know, I didn't have any real rights. And, uh, as much as I said, my feet hurt and I was exhausted. Um, it just didn't matter. Uh, we were there to, you know, to just, for them to wring as much out of us as they could. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was fairly typical back then. Um, yeah. It's it, it, not that that makes it okay. No, um, but you, you you know not to minimize any of the things that you described. They were you know wholly inappropriate, truly creepy propositions you have. And maybe that's a little bit of a tease for people to get the book and read it. Uh, <laughs> but nobody ever. Tr try to physically do anything to you. You were never no. feeling attacked or forced to do anything like that. No. In fact, uh, that's a very good point to make is that um, even though I, I felt cornered a couple times or I felt threatened, I, I never was forced to do anything. I never, I still was, um, you know, able to either say no or do respond the way I wanted to and act the way I wanted to. Nobody overpowered me. No one did anything like that. Um, the ultimate answer was still left with me. And that is a, that is a really good point to, to point out. I mean, it's, it was more about feelings and um, empowerment. And, and on the other hand too, I'm quite glad that I rose to the, rose to the occasion each time and kept my, what I consider to be my integrity or my values. Um, but, no one tried to steal them from me either. Do you have children? No, I I have a stepdaughter. Okay. So if your uh, stepdaughter, I don't know how old she is, but assuming that she's roughly 18, 17, 18 years old. Uh, Around there, yep. Okay. I said that I'm going to work at Bear Oaks for the summer. Um, what would your reaction be? I'd say take a lot of sunscreen. <laughs> Good. And, and um, you know, Keep a journal. Uh, have fun. I really would. Um, I know that uh, the way you, I'm sure that the way you run your facility and the way others are run um, is done with ethics. And, and um, you know, now also the other thing I'd be concerned about for her, but I don't have to be concerned about is labor laws. You'd have to stick to those as well. Mm -hmm. um, I I wouldn't have a, a problem with that at all. I um you know, to each their own. And I think it would be an incredible experience for her. Um, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate at all. Well, but you know, my, my fear, it's not just for staff, but it's also for the, uh, my, my guests is that I don't control everybody who's on the property. And certainly could there be somebody there who appears to be okay, but yeah, around the campfire makes a completely inappropriate proposition like you got, that could certainly happen at where at Bear Oaks as well. Yeah, but I also think that um, she's been raised with uh, with enough, you know, self esteem, and um, and she's got a, a good solid brain and heart, and I think she'd know how to handle it. You know, um, 
I think the solid foundation is the reason I also didn't cave in on anything that I want. In fact, I dug my heels in so strongly um, in opposite. I might have become a naturist. Who knows? But but I, I just, it was almost like a dare. I dug my heels in so strongly. I think uh, Kaylee, my, um, my stepdaughter, also would be... Um, you know, very firm in her and her beliefs and her way she want to operate. And if that meant she wanted to spend her entire life uh, <clears throat> at a at a nature camp doing whatever she wanted to do, well, that's her choice. It's uh, it's her life, and I see uh, honestly, I see nothing wrong with it. It's just not for me. So, if you uh, the job that you applied for said that uh, nudity was required, would you have not gone for it? I wouldn't have gone for it. No. No, I was so um, oh self-conscious about my body. Honest to goodness, I look back at pictures of me and I think, you were adorable. But at the time, I thought I was a whale. Um, <laughs> I looked in the mirror and saw, you know, um, Free Willy. Um, I had terrible, terrible body image, terrible self-esteem. Really, my overriding thought was, who would want to see me naked? That's honestly what I thought. And, and... Although I know we, we, you know, there weren't supposed to be any um, value judgments put on people's bodies and all that kind of stuff, we would sit around eating our lunch and and see somebody walk by and the guys would make gagging noises, you know, when they when when they were out of earshot and stuff like that. I mean, we were kids. Um, there, we would, I mean, we'd be fired if we ever did anything dumb like that in front of somebody. But we were kids and we did put value judgments on people. And my, my thing was who'd want to see this naked. So that was, <laughs> that it was all about me. Yes. But, but on the other hand, it's really unfortunate because the, what naturism is supposed to be about is that you don't care. Uh, and that I doesn't know. matter. And, and I'd like to think at Bear Oaks and some of the other places, um, it's more about that. And me, people are made more comfortable. At least that's what they tell me. Well, I'm sure they are, uh, but but you can't do much with the psychology of a of a an 18 year old who has no self confidence, um, or however old I was. I, I just you know I was a an inner wreck of uh, um, lack of self esteem. So although I understood and I saw people of all shapes and sizes and they were comfortable and they were happy, I just couldn't imagine myself. Um, ever opening myself up to that kind of scrutiny even if there wasn't any it was all in my head yeah so uh, that combined with the fact that what made you take the job in the first place is what uh probably kept you from ever taking your clothes off with the one exception of that swim you talk you talk about in the book yeah taught one topless swim and uh that was really about it and i thought the uh, the one guy that uh, joe that i worked with i thought his uh his eyes were going to bug out of his head like he'd never seen breasts before. But that's the, then again, that's because I had become a challenge. And it was, you know, when's this going to happen? Uh, there were bets placed on when I would cave. Um, so, it, you know, I, I unwittingly made myself more of a spectacle by not joining in. And that's the funny part to me now is that if I had just taken my clothes off, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal, probably, but mm -hmm. I was just such a such a wreck of emotions that I uh, I never would have dreamed of it. Well, as most teenagers are around that age. Exactly. So, and it's did you keep in touch with anybody afterwards at all? Did you ever hear about other from other staff or what happened in the future? Well, I only saw um, a few things in the paper here and there. Um, somebody told me uh, about a couple of 
people who got promoted and different things. And I can't even remember who, but one of the um, reporters at the Hamilton Spectator is Jeff Mahoney is a, um, I'd call him a pal. We don't know each other very well, but we're sort of uh, in touch here and there. And he, when he interviewed me for the book, he had, he had just done a piece a year or so earlier on Hans and Lisa. And so he sort of updated me on a few things that were going on. Um, but no, I really didn't. Um, I talked to the guys a couple times afterwards. And uh, like I said, I was supposed to go up and get my milk crates full of records and I never did and went to college and, and went on with life. I was very, very sad, I have to say, to hear that Mike uh, Mike died. Um, he was, uh, you know, aside from being a bit of a slave driver, that was his job. But he was, uh, he was a really decent, thoughtful, nice man. And he wasn't that much older than me, as it turned out. I thought he was uh, tons older than me. But, um, uh, you know, I was just a shock to find out that he had died so young and... Uh, very sad for Hans and Lisa. It was, it was, it was crushing to them um, at the time. I was, I'm, it still is. Yeah. I can't imagine losing a child. I have two, and I can't. It, it would be, it would be devastating. Yeah. So. Uh, but they must. I mean, I remember they had a grandson, um, and I, you know, I remember the family dynamic a little bit. Um, but. Uh, and Jade, who who Mike was married to, who was extremely good to me when I was there. And so, you know, um, it's interesting to me to find out, to kind of catch up on how things, how things went. So the book you wrote is available as an ebook. You can get a printed version and you can even get an audiobook version, which is what Actually, I Actually, you know what? There is no printed version. Oh, there isn't? Um, oh. No, it's ebook only. Um, I actually considered a printed version and, uh, because I was publishing myself, my first book I had with a publisher, I was like, sure, they can print it. That's fine. But uh, no, it's only ebook or audio book. So if somebody wants to get it, how do they get it? Well, uh, Kobo, you know, chapters or um, Kindle, you can uh, send me an email and I'll uh, fire off a um, an audio version. I'll send you a PDF and you can read it on your computer or you can print it off. Um, it's, you know, it's pretty expensive. If you can spare two ninety nine. Um, you know, $299, (laughs) you might want to save up for three bucks because I might round up after this, but, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I really did it for fun. Um, and, and just to get the story out there. So that's why it's a, a bargain price. So the email is Lisa at lisabrant.ca and Brant has a D in it. And there's a website as well. Yeah. lisabrant.ca. There you go. So, uh, and I will put links in the show notes for anybody who's looking for it as well. Um, it was you. a lot of fun to read. So uh, to listen to, I keep saying reading. I actually <laughs> well, listen to good. it. That's good. That's fine. I, I, it is reading. It's just a different kind of reading. So the you've if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know that at Bear Oaks we have a lot of young people that come and participate, and they have a positive experience, and they love it, and they enjoyed it, as do our guests. And it is about body acceptance, and it is about um, the respect for ourselves and for others, and living a more natural life. It's a true ethical naturism I always talk about. So. Um, it, that's a, that's why it's a little sad to hear that Lisa had this experience. Um, 
But on the other hand, uh, we're doing our part, and certainly there's no reason that uh, working in a naturist environment can't be a very positive, rewarding experience as it is at Bear Oaks. So I hopefully um, Lisa will have heard about that, and hopefully those who have been to Bear Oaks and those who have worked there as well will spread the truth about what the movement is really all about. Hi, Felicity. Hey, Stefan. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm glad I'm back. Uh, well, I'm not glad I'm back. I had a really good time in uh, St. Martin Club Orient. It was beautiful and warm. But it's nice to be back and start getting things ready for the summer. Yeah, I'm so jealous. But um, spring is, is on its way, we think. It snowed here like oh. two days ago. Yeah, it was snowing yesterday, actually. It was like, it wasn't heavy, but it was snowing. And we're like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> we're done. We're done. No more. Yes, well, it's got to be, it's almost time. Spring is here officially. So. Right. So what 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 have you been doing? What are you up to? We're really busy um, because we're just in the last like almost twenty four hours left for our Kickstarter for Body Painting Day. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it's over tomorrow Monday night, and um, we're a little under a thousand dollars left to raise. Of your to, goal, and your goal is how much? Our goal is ten thousand. Wow, you've done really well. Yeah. Well, by the time people listen to this, you will either have made it or not made it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hopefully, we can. We'll be able to say uh, we were funded and and uh, and on our way to creating an even bigger event this summer, so July eighteenth. Where's the money gonna go to? Um. I mean, there's a lot of costs associated with this kind of event. I mean, there's security, insurance, um, a bus ride to get from one place to another with all the models, like we did last year. Um, and so on and so forth. Good. And so what happens if you only get 9500 Um, we, we quickly call up a friend who has $500. <laughs> yeah, because I, I guess with Kickstarter, if you don't hit your goal, you don't get any of it, right? Yeah, it's all or nothing, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good. We we got so many donations in the past couple of days, and the nudist community has like really been coming out for us, and we've gotten so much support there. So it's really nice, and I want to thank all of the listeners of this podcast who have donated. We love you, and you're awesome. <laughs> nice, nice. So yeah. things are going really well then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'm also getting ready for my trip to Florida in two weeks. I'm going to Sunsport Gardens for their Young Naturist Fest, April 10th to the 12th. Oh, very nice. I was just there at the beginning of March and uh, had some uh, just one night with Morley, and uh, we chatted and had a good time. I really like him. Yeah, yeah, he's one of our good friends. Um, I actually have taped an interview with him as well for a future episode of the podcast. All right, yeah. I look forward to hearing that. It should be interesting. Good. Well, it sounds like everything's going really well. I'm kind of surprised because, you know, having read, your, you had a blog post where you sounded a little bit uh, beaten by uh, some of the people. Yeah, there was some drama. Um, there was, on the same weekend, you know, two events scheduled in Florida, two Young Nature's events, and we had people spreading these rumors about us and was just getting out of control and uh, and we needed to address it finally. Um, 
we didn't want to, you know, we kind of made that clear. And maybe that made people not even want to read the article because, like, why do we even have to do this? But I don't know. Some people have nothing better to do than just talk crap about people and spread rumors. And, and people were, like, just sending us angry messages, like, um, just making accusations. Like, I don't like what I'm hearing about you guys. And and I don't want to be associated with you anymore. And, and like, that was it. And then they wouldn't, it wasn't even like asking us what happened, what, what's our side of the story, you know, what, is this even true? They just, you know, were totally accepting these rumors as fact. And, um, and it was just getting to be too much, so. Well, the comments that you received on your post were very supportive. Yeah, that was really nice. Um, that, I guess it shut up the haters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, I was surprised. I was expecting some angry um, comments. And there was one, uh, and then the person quickly deleted it. So I guess they realized the error of posting such a comment. And it was, like, directed at Bill Schroer, I think. It was, like, this really angry, uh, nasty comment huh. towards him. Yeah. Um, but you know, Bill, Bill is also a friend of ours and, and he was like posting very supportive things and, and people, yeah, people were very supportive and it was nice. Um, and, and hopefully like that's, you know, old news going to be old news soon and just, we can move on and, and get back to what we, what we want to do. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I do believe, you know, that we we all have to be open to criticism and we have to accept it. But there are some people who seem to be more into just being negative and, and not very constructive in what they say. Of course, yeah. I mean, we'll admit when we're wrong and, and we're open to criticism and when we've made mistakes and such. But, I mean, the these people aren't, uh, they're just, like spreading rumors and um it's not you know and, and of course we always try to be to communicate openly um and that seemed to be the only way we could do that this time was to write a public post mm -hmm. i think what you saw is that most people though that follow you regularly are supportive but they don't say much most of the time yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we do we do get an email, a really nice email once in a while um, from someone who's like, you guys are doing such great work, keep it up. Um, you know, it's made such a difference, and I love reading your writing, and that's really nice. Um, you know, it's stuff like that that helps keep us going, and and we're just, we just try to, like, drown out the negativity and... Uh, and let people kind of drown themselves in their own negativity if they want. You know, that's their choice. Mm -hmm. um, we just try to keep things positive and, and uh, can, you know, and be productive and, and do things that make a positive difference in the world. Excellent. Yeah, so. Um, and Sunsport is one of my favorite places, actually. I've been to a lot of resorts. I really like Sunsport. Um, so I'm looking forward to the trip. Good. Yeah, I, I find that Sunsport in a lot of ways is uh, is like a Florida version of Bear Oaks in terms of uh, the, the feel of it. The size is about the same. Um, it's very, uh, uh, you know, nature and philosophy oriented. 
Yeah. Uh, so it, it has a bit of, of that. It's just uh, they're lucky to have warmth all year round, although they didn't think so when I was there. They thought it was cold, and I was going, this isn't cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would compare it to Fair Oaks also in that way. Um, they're very, like, openly, like, say that we don't believe in discrimination, we welcome everyone, and then they're also very, like, kid-friendly and family-oriented. Um, and... It did. You know what? When we were there, it just reminds me of, like, after we went there, after the nude cruise two years ago, um, this, it got freakishly cold <laughs> and at Sunsport um, in February, and we were, like, freezing, and uh, Jordan spent the whole night in the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> Turned into a prune. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was crazy. It was, like, freezing cold. But hopefully it's going to be nice weather in April. I'm looking forward to it. Um and I'm sure it's going to be much warmer than here. <laughs> Good. Um, and and what else is coming up? Um, I mean, we're still working out our summer calendar um, and planning two gatherings again at Goodland Country Club, um, hopefully over July 4th weekend, Labor Day weekend. Um, haven't, like, officially announced yet, but that's what we're working on. Excellent. And are there any? Is there any growth in YNA? Are there any new chapters opening anywhere? Um, there is, as far as membership. We've been getting a lot of new members, um, and people. We're not actually doing new chapters um, anymore, just because we've had some people kind of sign up to do it and volunteer, and they're all about it, and then they kind of drop off, like it's too time consuming, or it was too much effort, or. They just weren't the right fit to do it. Um, so we're basically telling people, like, people should contact us if they want to start an independent group because we'll, we're totally willing to give advice and help promote it and, um, you know, establish a partnership when it works and that sort of thing. I hope you have a lot of fun in Florida, and I'm looking forward to the report next month when you come back. Yes, Definitely. So it took me a few weeks after I last talked uh, with Felicity about this, and uh, I can confirm that they indeed reached their goal in the uh, for the Body Painting Day. So Body Painting Day on July 18th is on in New York City. So take a look on the YNA website at yna.me if you want to participate and or just learn more about it. So we've had a semi-regular um, segment from Australia, and the last few were by Michael. But Michael is working with Darren, and uh, for this particular episode, we've got a report from Darren, Australia. Now, hello from Queensland. My name's Darren, and I'm here with Marion and Lisa. And I'll start by asking Marion, how did you get in contact with Lisa? I put a request in at the Brisbane community, the yoga community here in Brisbane, and Lisa acted on that. Okay, Lisa, what were your thoughts after you were contacted in, in regards to uh, the whole concept of doing a nude yoga class? I thought it was uh, quite intriguing. It's something that I had thought of, but hadn't actually been to any nude yoga classes or even nude events previously. Um, I'm fairly comfortable with my body, and I, I gave it a bit of thought, and I thought, you know, if I gave it a try, it would 
teach me a lot of things about myself and expand my world. Cool. Were there, were there any uncertain feelings in relation to the whole concept of a nude yoga class? Yeah, I wasn't quite sure how to adjust people because as a yoga teacher, if people can't come into asanas the best way for their bodies will allow them to, then I'd give verbal cues or um, assist them physically to move into an asana. And because when, when we're naked, we have more dangly bits, <laughs> I wasn't quite sure how some of the asanas would work. So um, I talked about it with a couple of my yoga friends and um, we just thought it would be best that everyone could just adjust themselves and um, verbal cues and uh, physical cues if the verbal ones weren't really making it big enough of an impact really yeah so you've been teaching us or instructing us for about two months now mm-hmm. uh, how do you find the the class in general and the people that are in it uh, I really look forward to Wednesday nights um, I find it a liberating experience in that I am more comfortable with my own body. I mean, I, I, I grew up with my parents being nude around me um, very naturally growing up. Um, so nudity isn't something that I was very foreign to me, but I just didn't do anything socially with other people. So um, I find the group very very down to earth and you know what I love about the group is that there is no ego you've got people of all different shapes and sizes and abilities and everyone is genuine and friendly and open and I really love that Mm. excellent apart from the yoga you've been invited across uh, over to a a nudist event at Pacific Sun and Friends here in Queensland where you did some of your massage therapy at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you find people, other than obviously outside of our yoga class, the nudist uh, group as a whole? Uh, very fr- very approachable, very friendly. Um, I met some really lovely people on that day and everyone was just ready to give me a hand because you know I went there by myself and setting up the tent and taking it down and everyone was sort of jumping at the opportunity to give me a hand and and uh, you don't really get that in a lot of different aspects of society now people kind of stick to themselves but I find that um, naturalists generally speaking are more open excellent mm. so in reflection from the beginning to when you were first approached mm-hmm. to now a few months down the track would you consider yourself uh, a naturist in the sense that we do? Well, how do you sense it for yourself? How do you describe yourself? That's a very good question. Um, as a naturist we consider ourselves fairly open and accepting and as you've mentioned, no particular body image issues. Would and everyone is the same. Yeah, everyone's the same. So, would you have those same? Did you have them same thoughts before, and are they any different now? Um, I would describe myself as that kind of a person, but I was that kind of a person before I did nude yoga. However, 
I think that um, I find I would agree with you that in my experience, the people that I have met um, at the event and who come to the classes would fit into that category as well. Excellent. So you would it'd be fair to say that you've grown in that respect. Yeah, I, I it has widened my worldview in that I am more comfortable. I was fairly comfortable with my body before, but now I'm more comfortable. And as I mentioned previously, um, you know, everyone genuinely leaves their ego at the door in this particular yoga class, which is such an important part of yoga because it's about non-comparison. It's reading your own body and doing what your own body feels that it's able to do at that time on the mat. Yeah. Excellent. So there you have it, folks. Don't be too ashamed to try and reach out and find yourself a particular activity that you don't would normally do nude because it can be done. Well, that's all for this episode of The Naturist Living Show. Thank you, as always, for listening. My name is Stéphane Deschain, and I was your host for this podcast, and I'm the owner of Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. And you can find links to all of the items that I mentioned or that others mentioned in the show. Uh, You'll find those in the show notes on our website, which is located at naturistliving, one word, dot, Bear Oaks, also one word, B-A-R-E, of course, bearoaks.ca, because we're in Canada. And keep sending your comments and suggestions. Always appreciate getting them. The show's email address is naturistliving, again, one word, at bareoaks, B-A-R-E, bareoaks.ca. But what's better than sending an email is to call and leave a comment, and then you uh, will hear yourself on the show. You can uh, try as many times as you like because the system allows you to erase and re-record, and you can even delete it at the end if you're not happy. So to uh, call our comment line, just dial uh, country code 1, area code 905-473-6060, and we're at extension 333. You can call toll-free in North America, 1-888-373-9124, and that still puts you in the uh, Bear Oaks phone system, and it's extension 333. And you can do it by Skype as well, which is completely free. You just Skype the uh, the Skype name, which is Bear Oaks, one word, B-A-R-E-O-A-K-S, and that still puts you in the Bear Oaks uh, voice mail phone system, and then you just dial the show's extension, which is extension 333. Join us again in about a month for the next episode of The Naturist Living Show. This episode of The Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park, traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social, and moral benefits. 
Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. Learn more at www.bearoaks.ca. Thank you.